As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, it is a big show. Uh, we have lots to talk about, like a lot. I've got a big, long list. Are you excited? I'm bummed. Big show. Big show. All right, so today we are going to talk about Austin Matthews. We are going to talk a little bit about the Maple Leafs offense. We're going to talk about the forward depth and whether a trade is likely and how difficult that's going to be to pull off. Uh, I want to get into the apparent Jack Campbell injury and its repercussions, even though Campbell, did you hear him after the game? He like wouldn't, he was just like total polite, but did not want to talk about his injury. Did he catch that? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that's not our quote of the week though. It's, well, James, don't spoil what I'm doing. God, we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall briefly. And I, I want to talk about um, some of the depth questions and concerns right now and then we're going to get into some listener questions but the first thing we're doing is a new feature and i'm i'm naming it james it's not quote of the week it is you're saying it's my fault quote of the the week how about that remember no i don't you're gonna you're saying it's my fault yeah you don't remember that quote great we're off to a (laughs) rocking start i guess i need a new intro for the or a new name for the quote of the week shit all right. Well, anyway, let's let's listen to the clip and then we are going to talk about it. Uh, I just had some uh, some issues there with my uh, my hand that uh, I was going through, so um, you know I couldn't really uh, I'm not really going to go any further than that. But obviously, uh, if I could have skated or if I could have played and, and felt comfortable, I would have done that. But um, feels fine now, and uh, you know we're going to move forward here. Is it something like you'll have to kind of keep your eye on moving forward? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we'll have to obviously take care of it here the next couple of weeks, but um, it feels a lot better. feel feel uh, more than good enough to play and uh, you know, good enough to go out there and, and, and contribute and help the team. And uh, So, yeah. All right, James, that was, of course, Austin Matthews, and he was talking about the injury that he had, has, uh, that forced him to leave a practice last week, like a couple minutes, a minute before it started, and then miss uh, the game last Friday night. Uh, he returned to play in Calgary, but he did not look like himself. Like, 
what would like your level of concern be if you were Sheldon Keefe, if you were Kyle Dubas, if you were Austin Matthews, like what's how concerned do you think they should be um, with this little issue that he's had? His hand. He said it was his hand. That that it didn't seem like it was his hand. It didn't seem like you know, just like his like demeanor and maybe we're reading too much into the body language and stuff like that. But it seemed like it was like you know they were calling it upper body injury. It, you know, everyone was has been speculating that it was as a result of the cross checks that he took to the back, and that that might have potentially been the injury. I mean, if it's if it's something with his hand that's going to heal in the next couple of weeks, then maybe the concern level is not that high. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard when you were just kind of speculating with what the injury is for, it, it, it's tough for me to, to go down that road. I mean, I, if, if Matthews has to play through an injury for a prolonged period of time, obviously that, that hurts leaf significantly, but I don't know if it, if, if it's not his back, if it's not related to the, to you know the back problems that he's had in the past, then maybe we're overplaying how how big a deal this is. Well, based on the way that he looked against Calgary, and now you can say you know cross country flight, he hadn't really skated hard in a few days. He just didn't look normal. Like he didn't have any burst. He 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 looked like honestly someone playing with that kind of an injury that you're talking about with a back injury with like kind of I don't know any anything like that. It didn't. He just didn't look normal. Like he didn't have a shot through the first two periods. He, he had one attempt through the first two periods. I just didn't think that that was encouraging. Um, I'm surprised, honestly, that he played given that they hadn't skated that morning. They hadn't skated the day before. He didn't practice. I'm just kind of surprised at how quickly he was back in the lineup. But obviously, if he says he's okay, he, he feels like he's okay. Um, but it's a little worrying because when he's not right, they're not the same team. Like their offense is so predicated on that line. Uh, and you saw against Calgary, like they just, it, that line had nothing. Yeah. They're, they're much more of a, they, they kind of have to grind out those, those games, especially against a pretty good team like Calgary. Um, you know, it, it hurts you on the power play. Matthews was yep. killing penalties. It's going to hurt you there. You're not going to be able to, to give him the same kind of minutes that he was playing. I mean, the thing too is that there's without question the first five games, six games of the season, I guess five because he didn't play the, the sixth game. The first five games of the season, there's no question who the Leafs' best player was. You know, I know I know that Tavares and uh, and Marner had more points, but, but Matthews was the guy. And he looked primed for a monster season. And if this is the uh, scenario like we had last year where you know, both Marner and Tavares had an injury early in the year and then didn't really look right for a long period after that point. If this is one of those situations, it's um, the Leafs are going to have to grind out some more wins that, that aren't always going to be pretty. Well, and so that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about. I guess we can talk about it now. Offensively, 5-on-5, five five, they haven't looked great. Um, that line has generally looked pretty good. Um, they're just... You know, Sheldon Keefe's talked a lot about pace and wanting to generate chances, uh, better chances, attack the net more, not wait for the defense to get set up. They just haven't felt like overly threatening. Do you think that is a result of those bottom two lines? Do you think that's a result of of William Neander kind of being off to a so so start? What like what do you what do you think that is? Do you think it's it's new players? Do you think it's it's trying to play a little bit differently in the way that Sheldon Keefe has talked about? 
Yeah, I mean, I personally think it's there's a chemistry issue for sure with with a new lineup. But I also think that you know, with the new assistant coaches and with Sheldon Keefe having that training camp and like really emphasizing that he wants the Leafs to be better defensively, that you know, the balance that they got to find in in trying to change their DNA a little bit and being harder to play against through the neutral zone in the defensive zone while still being really dangerous offensively. I don't think that they found that yet. And it's interesting, you know, you can see it in the numbers. Like if you look at, uh, you look at possession, you look at Corsi four percentage, the Leafs are one of the best teams in the league. So like territorially, they are spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. But then if you look, if you bring, you know, some of these shot quality metrics into the equation, if you look at like scoring chances for and against, they fall down to 10th. And then if you look at, uh, if you look at expected goals, they fall even further than that. Yeah. It, it's it's like the Leafs are getting a lot of zone time and that, you know, the, the push to play better defensively is working in, in that sense. And that you look at how much, how many fewer uh, shots against and shot attempts against, those are all way down from last year. But they're also having a harder time, as you said, getting to the net and getting high quality opportunities. And, you know, maybe this will, we can talk about this a little bit more, but really the power play has been so good and so effective that it's covered up. You know, if they weren't getting all these power play goals, they would have been losing more of these games. And I think a lot more of the conversation around this team would be what's wrong with the offense. Well, there was a kind of an interesting situation after that Edmonton game um, in which I guess the first Edmonton game, that's the Wednesday night game uh, when they lost and, and Austin Matthews basically said that maybe they got a little too focused on containing Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and kind of lost sight of who they were in, in terms of offense. And there was a moment in that game, James, like where that line, where the Matthews line was in the offensive zone, it must've been like over a minute and they just had the puck on the perimeter and nothing was really happening. They were controlling the puck, but like nothing was getting at the net. Um, and maybe that's part of the dynamic that that's going on, that they're trying to kind of strike this new balance. Um, but I don't think that they've found anything. Um, like you mentioned the chemistry. I don't think they found anything yet. I think, I think everything should be on the table. I, I don't know that there's a line. Like, obviously, Martin and Matthews have been pretty good. But other than that, it, it doesn't feel like anything has really clicked just yet. Like, what would you do if you were Sheldon Keefe with some of those combinations, especially with Thornton out? I still look at it, and I still I keep coming back to maybe they should break up Matthews and Marner. I mean, I know that that's not what the players want, but I just think that it might you know, yeah. diversify their offense a little bit more. And... You know, they, they had VC on that line. I don't think that worked against Calgary. That like that wasn't. It did not. Pretty... He was gone so, by the third period. So maybe you, I don't know. Maybe you get a Mikheyev up on that line and just so like Mikheyev looks great, but he's not generating any offense. So like I'm not. He, he looks like he's skating just unbelievable. And I think Hyman's had a really good start to his year. Um, yep. You know, Tavares has been super in in. in Tavares has been super dangerous on the power play. Uh, and Nylander has been kind of all over the place. I mean, he's had like really good games and he's had really kind of quiet games or games where you don't notice him as much. So I think you're right. I mean, I think that they haven't really established what they are yet or what they're going to be. And it seems like they've pulled away a little bit from having that, that Kerfoot line be like kind of like a tough minute checking line. Um, because they can't use it that way anymore. 
Yeah, because it's 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 so I, I you know this this it's a shame that you know Thornton goes down, but also Nick Robertson goes down because I think Robertson could have been a really interesting piece to put on a line with Tavares or Matthews and really seen what he could have done offensively, even if you have to shelter the line. Yep. Um, Hundred percent. You know, I would like to see some of the other guys they haven't played yet. Like, you know, I know Brooks got into the the game, but you know, I'd like to see what what Joey Anderson or Travis Boyd or some of these other forwards can do because I know it's early, but I feel like I've seen enough of Barabanov, and I don't think he's going to bring you know necessarily the element that they need right now. You know, when they're they're struggling struggling to score and they're they're struggling to to generate, I think they need. They need some guys who who can skate and and who can get to the net and who can grind things a little bit and you know I think that trying some of these other other options might make some sense. We're going to get to that uh, in a little bit, but I want to come back to the point you made about Marner and Matthews. I think is 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 interesting. One thing that I've I've noticed, um, and and we even saw it in the game um, that Matthews didn't play um, over the weekend. the The connection with Marner and Tavares is kind of gone. And and we saw that last year. Uh, they started the year together. Obviously, they didn't have Zach Hyman. They got together again in the playoffs. That connection just doesn't feel like it's it's yeah. the same. And, yeah, and when they're on the ice together, yeah, you keep expecting them to find each other and make something happen, and it hasn't happened in a long time, has it? Yeah, and so it's gone flat. And so then the question is, like, what do you just try to hope over a stretch of games that it comes back? Maybe you get Nealander playing with Matthews. Um, obviously I've advocated for trying something else with Matthews and just giving him neither guy, but I don't know that that works given the forwards that they have right now, but this kind of brings me into something I've been wondering about. And Elliot Friedman reported over the weekend that the Leafs were looking at trying to add a forward to me, even with Joe Thornton, they feel like a forward short to me, but especially when you take out Joe Thornton, they feel like they're a forward short. And that's kind of that's not great. Like when you, when you take a 41 year old um, in his 23rd season of the lineup and it kind of messes everything up, that kind of shows that you're a little more vulnerable than maybe you want to be. And I guess that ties back James to what they did in the off season when they get rid of Kapanen, they get rid of Janssen uh, to improve their defense. Do you like, how difficult do you think it would be to make a trade like that in a season like this with the quarantine rules, with the cap, like, where what do you see the, like the likelihood of something like that? What are you trading though? Like like your depth on defense for yeah for something that that's the idea. Like move, well, yeah, move and out. that's and that's its own side thing because then let's say you're trading Travis Dermott. You're not trading Travis Dermott for a guy who's on an expiring contract. You're going to want to get something that you can have a little bit more control of. So that's its own thing. So you can take that wherever you want. Well, I'm just trying to think of the. Really, what it feels like the Leafs need is another center, right? Or at least a winger that can play center. I yes. mean, that one game when they didn't have Thornton, they didn't have Robertson, and they didn't have Matthews. It's like you look at the forward line, and it's like, boy, this is this is going to be a real battle for this team. And well, you tweeted they, James, and it's like it's the point. They took a guy who who didn't make their taxi squad and had to put him on their third line. Now, granted, like Pierre Engvall played a lot of games for them last year, but that says something about your depth at center. Here, Ingvall has played two games. He's played 20 minutes at even strength in those games. And he is at 58% expected goals. Now, probably not the toughest minutes in the world, but I, I think Ingvall's been fine. Like, I, I, I think that he's a guy that belongs on the roster, but probably just in a depth role. Don't you? 
Yeah, I like him on the fourth line. I like I would rather play him than Parabanov every time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting looking at, at some of the numbers, you know, the 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 fourth line, like the the, the possession and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's horrible. Like the numbers They've are been terrible. destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. The fourth line is a mess. So I, I think that that, co- that comes back to what I was saying, but they just don't have a lot of confidence in playing that fourth line at all, and they're not getting any results from it, and then that puts a lot of pressure on the other lines, and they're not getting enough from those lines either. Well, it's a, it's a problem, James. Like At this stage in his career, Wayne Simmons can't play on a third or shouldn't be playing on a third line. Like He's ideally suited to playing 10 minutes total, some power play time. But to ask him to to play that high in the lineup at this point, like to me, is a stretch, um, and that's like kind of what the Thornton injury demonstrated. Like he was the guy to move up, and that's that's not ideal. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. Yep, yeah. I mean I, I, Simmons battling in front of the net is fine, but he just hasn't really been able to. He almost needs to be propped up by by pretty good line mates. Cause if you put them with a couple, you know, depth guys that they, that line just can't seem to generate anything at all. Well, and, and it's a problem like in getting back to the offense, William Nylander was fantastic last year, five on five. And like the one thing we always kept coming back to is man, he like, he is attacking the net. He is like, he's relentless. He's, he's doing what he kind of showed glimpses of before, but doing consistently. And he just hasn't done that yet. And so, so suddenly you know, his- that, that, yeah. So I was just going to say, hey, Nylander's underlying numbers are very, very good. It's yep. interesting. Well, it it to me, it ties to the way that they've, until recently, used that line. Um, they're playing a lot in the offensive zone. He's not being asked to do that much in terms of playing in his own end, and that's mm-hmm. that's by design. Like, I thought yeah. it was even interesting, the game that Matthews was out. Like, I was playing around with what they were going to do with the lineup in my head, and obviously they ended up going with Marner, Tavares, and Hyman when originally they had planned to go with Neander, Tavares, and Hyman. And obviously the very apparent reason is they were going to use that line against McDavid and you would rather have Marner on the wing against that kind of line than Neander. And that's, I mean, that's as much a a, a compliment to, to Marner as it is kind of a little where you'd like to see Neilander grow. Like, I just want to see the Neilander of last year. Like that, that guy is, is, is different from what we've seen so far. He's just not, he's not shooting. He's made some unbelievable passes, um, but he's been kind of hit or miss so far this year. And that's, that's gotta be a little disappointing given how good he was last year. Yeah. I mean, but that said, I mean, how many guys are are we pointing to and saying like, they've been lights out and been amazing. Like it's, you know, it's, it's been a it's been a really mixed bag so far, and I don't know. Like, I wonder how much of that is just like a really short training camp. Teams only played five games in the last ten months. The schedule is really compact. Yep. You're introducing a lot of new players. Like, there's a lot of that are, is going into this. Hundred percent. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, I have Jack Campbell on my list of stuff I want to discuss first, but I want to get back to the depth 
um, before we do that, just because uh, it fits into what we were just talking about. Um, you have mentioned like being surprised that they haven't used Travis Boyd yet. They haven't used Joey Anderson. Why do you think that is? Like, I have my own theories. Why do you think it is? I think that when you bring over these relatively high-profile European veterans, you make some level of promise to them that they're going to get an opportunity. And, uh, I mean, I know Lettinen's only played two games and Barabanov's only played four of the seven games, but that that's that's kind of although i mean they did have an opportunity they could have played some of these guys instead of maybe like an adam brooks in in the one game and but but i think that there's there's some reluctance to pull barabanov out of the lineup entirely given you know he came over early he didn't play in the khl this year he made a real commitment to the leafs and but so far i i i don't know i'm not really seeing anything out of barabanov that says that he's an nhl player so and it's it's obviously a limited sample size and maybe it's going to take him some time to acclimatize but i feel like we know that that travis boyd and 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 uh joey anderson are, are nhl players you know given what they did in new jersey and washington and barabanov uh, i'm not seeing it so far it's kind of a a difficult uh, situation for them because they need to project to future free agents you're going to get a chance and if all of a sudden like Barabanov they just they punt him after five games or four games or whatever and Lettinen doesn't get much opportunity suddenly like the next group of like free agents that they're going to want to get are going to look why, at the Leafs and be like yeah. uh, why would they come why I mean, am I going to come like I saw what happened like yeah like you've Mikheyev got an opportunity in the Zaitsev, but like, look at the, like recently, maybe the roster is too good. Maybe I'm just not going to get to play. So like they have to, to weigh that in mind, but they also need to do what's best for the team. Right. Like, and that like Barabanov is, has given, like, he just doesn't look like an NHL player. And like how many games before you can actually make that determination, especially like after like Chris Johnson and I were talking about this and he pointed this out, like they invested a lot in, in getting him. Um, so to like, give up after four games also is a little tough. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like when you're, how many games you give it before you're just like, yeah, this isn't working. And and he probably goes back to Russia. It's also really awkward with the way that the taxi squad works and like the guys that have the one-way contracts when they go on the taxi squad, they're actually making more money than when they're, when they're on the NHL roster. But if you put Lettinen or Barabanov on that taxi squad, yes, like the cap situation is really tight. And, you know, Barabanov and Lettinen, when they go down, they're making hardly anything. Like, they're making, you know, 70 grand for the season. And, like, they could have made many, many multiples of that playing over in Europe. So, they're trying to work around not only, you know, the roster decisions, but also the cap decisions. And, I, I you know, the, the more that those guys are making AHL money, the more disgruntled they're going to be. And, and the other thing, too, is that, like, you can't expect those guys to if it's taking them some time to figure out the uh, taking some of the, for them to figure out the NHL pace and all that. Yeah. yeah. But you can't know. wait. Right? No, it's like, like you, it's a short season, right? And like, you've got other injuries and like the team's looking a little bit lethargic and having a hard time at even strength. Like, I don't know how, how much loyalty do you have to show to these guys? I don't know. And, and I don't know, like, I mean, I don't like the seven defensemen look. So, like, I don't know 
I mean, Sheldon Keefe seemed okay with it, like not totally um, to love over it. the yeah. moon. Yeah, and and that and then they had set they were playing seven D obviously when they lost Joe Thornton, and suddenly they were down to ten forwards. And like Letton and when you have seven D, like Letton and Dermott just aren't going to play that much. Um, and I don't think you can make the case that Letton is better than Dermott at this point. I just so it's a sticky situation. But I would to like to your point like to see Boyd at least. I, I'm like, I'm not totally sure that Anderson's like for sure an NHL player, but it can't be looked pretty good. Um, the results in, in Jersey last year are encouraging. And it looks like if you played those guys, maybe you could get a little more of a, an identity with that line where it's more energy and like, maybe they get you a few goals. You know what I mean? I one guy who I think they should think about sitting is Spezza. Like, I don't think Spezza has been particularly effective and, you know, he's older and I mean, I thought the idea with getting him to clear waivers is that you'd have a little bit of flexibility where he could sit once in a while, especially when they're playing, you know, seven games in 12 days. Like, I don't, I don't see I, – I guess they want to have that – that his, his work in the face-off dot, I guess, is, yeah. is important right now. Right now but, he's at 65% shorthanded. Right, right. And, then, like, that's – like, they just don't have enough versatility with some of their forwards to, to take some draws and do some things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Like, I mean, if you had a fourth line of, let's say, like Engvall, Boyd, and I mean Anderson, like that's that's like an interesting kind of energy. They need, yeah, they need some guys that can skate and can just kind of get the puck back and get it down to the offensive zone. And because right now you look at the fourth line, and like I, again, I know they haven't played that much, but like you know their possessions down under forty percent, and you know expected goals is like under thirty percent, and like you're just you're not getting anything from. You know, and so that that'll be, and that was that, what happened last year, James. Like that's like when they had Goche and like, right? So yeah, like the, yeah, the fourth line isn't any better than Goche, Timoshov, and you know whoever else they had there last year. It's it seems weird to focus on the fourth line, but the, the problem is if you can't trust that line at all, you got to play your other guys so much, and then you got the back to back games, and you know it's it's going to take a toll on the big guns as well too if they're playing too much. Well, and you could make the case that. Those guys have played a little too much, Marner especially. But let's like let's take a step back, James. The, the Leafs, as we record this, are five and two. You can't. It hasn't looked the best at times, but like you win games, and like that's really all that's going to matter. Like this is a team that needs to have a better regular season. Needs to should win the division. They may not. They should. I think Dom um, said yesterday that Montreal now is favored to win the division. Yeah, don't you feel like like they played Vancouver a bunch of times, and Vancouver is bad. The Leafs played Ottawa twice. True. Yeah. True. Listen, I was if if Montreal is better than I thought, I will admit. They look really good. So, and they look they, good. They look. They got some of those. They just look professional. Like they have a lot of like professional players. You know what I mean? They got a great coach. I think Claude Julien. Yes. He's, I mean, it's almost like he's become underrated just because you know he had some weak teams to work with, but. I mean, you had Romanov and you had Suzuki taking the next step and Kotka Niemi and like if some of their young guys surprise and if Price and, and uh, Allen as the backup have good years, you know, I think Montreal can be a top five, seven team in the in the NHL. So it's 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 going to put some pressure on the Leafs for sure. And I feel like I think you're right. I think we've been a little bit too doom and gloom so far in the podcast. What are we? We're like. We're, we're like 20-some minutes in, and we've been mostly talking about negatives. I mean, the positives are the goaltending looks fine. The power play's been very, very good. Defensively, the Leafs look like they've taken 
kind of a next step and, and some of their, like, like I said, shots against and all those kind of things are down. Um, I, I like what's happening on the blue line. I like TJ Brody a lot. Uh, Justin Hall has played, I know he's on our list to talk about, but he's played very, very well. It's not like there's not positives here. It's nope, just that sure. there's some things that we got used to the Leafs having as a strength uh, in terms of like how dynamic they were offensively. And that hasn't been there. And I think that's, what's been a little bit jarring about watching them so far. They're just like, I'm not going to call them red flags, James. I'm going to call them yellow flags. Like, they're like little things like, got to keep an eye on that. And one of those things, James, is the goaltending. You mentioned it. Uh, Frederick Anderson obviously has played better after his rough start. Jack Campbell has played well when he's gotten the opportunity. But obviously he got hurt Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, whatever, in Calgary. So my question to you is, are you ready for Michael Hutchinson? (laughs) You know, you don't think Campbell's going to be ready to go? I mean, anything is possible. He did not look like someone who's going to be ready to be on the ice the next day or the next day. Like, that didn't look good at all. And I, I, I wonder if the only reason he did not take himself out is because there were like 50 seconds left in the game and he knew that that would have been really, really tough on Frederick Anderson. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking much in that sequence. I wonder if like... You know, when people talk about Campbell, they talk about how a team first guy he is and like just like incredibly over the top selfless. And like, I wonder if he was maybe should have, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a detriment to the team for him to try and take on more than his body could take in that in that situation. Well, I just imagine like if I was in that position, I'd be thinking, man, there's like a minute left. I should just finish this. I don't want Frederick Anderson to have to go in cold, play 50 seconds, maybe get hurt himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it does, if he, if he isn't able to be around, if he is actually hurt and he did not want to go there after the game, that suddenly makes the goaltending situation a little precarious. And this well, was like, they did what they, they, they tried to do what they could in bringing in Aaron Dell, but then suddenly he gets claimed and now Hutchinson moves from number four to number three. And if Campbell's hurt, then Hutchinson moves from number three to number two and suddenly you're back in the position that you were last year, and that was very detrimental. So they need Anderson ca- to step up in that case. I mean, and then yes. yeah, the, play every game. I'm trying not to get ahead of the goalie situation, like create a goalie controversy or issue before there is one. And like I think so far, you know, five on five save percentage, the least are in the middle of the pack in the league. I, I don't know that the goaltendings really cost them any games. I mean, you could argue maybe you know one of the you know, the early opportunities that, that, that Anderson had. But I think Anderson's been fine. I think Campbell's looked really good. And, you know, they're going to skate later today, right? So we'll have, you know, by the time people listen to this podcast, they might know if, if Campbell's in or out. But it certainly highlights the precariousness of the whole thing if, if one of the goalies goes down. Well, so the reason I, I did think it was not a like kind of controversy is like kind of stupid, but like it was something to be monitored when Anderson had that start, because if he had played poorly that Monday night against the Jets, I do not think he would have started the next game. And it would have been very possible if, if Jack Campbell played the Wednesday night against, I guess Campbell played, did Campbell play that Wednesday night? No, he played the Friday. Uh, or no, he didn't play at all. Right. Campbell. He's played two games. Campbell's yeah, played so, two games. So, he had the one against so, Ottawa that was, you know, he faced 18 shots or whatever, and then he played really well against Calgary. So that's all he's played so far. So my point is, um, had Anderson not played well against the Jets after the two rough games to start, I think it would have been possible that 
that Campbell played against Edmonton, and if he played well, they probably would have gone with him again. And so you can call it a controversy, you can call it whatever you want, but it to me it felt that tenuous with Anderson given what happened last year. But obviously he rebounded, he played better, he looks he looks more confident um, in goal. And so if Campbell's out, they're going to need more from him because obviously, I mean, you don't want to play Michael Hutchinson very much if at all. And the good news for them is they don't have any back to backs until like middle of February, uh, a doubleheader against Ottawa at home from reading the schedule, right? So that's good. What's next on your list, Jonas? Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall. Um, that pair has just like continued to basically be what they were last year. Now their role has changed slightly. They're not facing top lines exclusively like they did before. So that's like semi-interesting, but man, like I know you're working on some stuff about Justin Hall, but do you want to give any early impressions of of that pair or him specifically? On a basic level, like the it seems like every single game if you look at any of these underlying numbers and like the puck possession and expected goals and whatever, like Justin Hall leads the entire Leafs lineup in expected goals by a pretty substantial amount. And, like, they've been really, really good. And part of that, I think, is Riley and Brody taking on some pretty tough assignments and and more minutes and things like that. But there were a lot of questions coming in with with them adding Bogosian and Latin and and, and where was Dermot going to play. And I saw, you know, I read a, a lot of fans were saying, you know, Hall was going to be the one that was vulnerable in the top four. And I'm just, I haven't seen it so far. I mean, I think he's, he's, it looks like he's taken another step. You know, it looks like he's really kind of solidified himself in that spot. And it was, you and I were talking, I think, I think it was last night, right? We were talking about the expansion draft and who do you protect and what do you do with Dermot and you're going to lose him to Seattle and whatever. And I, the thing I said to you was like, well, what about Hall? Like they, you don't really want to protect, if Hall's going to play like this, it's only been seven games. Justin Hall plays like this for another 50 games and, and, and shows that he can play 20 minutes a night uh, in a in a shutdown role in your top four, and he only makes $2 bucks. You don't really want to expose him in the expansion draft either, do you? No, and so, like, the, the reason we were talking about it is, like, we got into, like, the, what a trade of Dermot would look like, and the idea would be, okay, well, you trade Dermot, let's say, for that forward we're talking about, and now suddenly Seattle looks at your expansion list and they're like, okay, who's next? And theoretically, the next guy, unless they did something we don't expect, would be Justin Hall. And so suddenly, like, you take two of your top six away. And if Hall is what you say, like, if he continues to play this well, then suddenly the Leafs have an interesting question as to whether you expose someone like Muzzin, who's older, who's pricier, or do you expose Brody? Um, Maybe you expose a forward. Like who? Well, like maybe you just protect the big four forwards and then you don't sign Hyman until after the expansion draft happens. And then... uh, I know, but then you still... There are 4D. Which 4D? Yeah, right. Riley. So you're... it's, It's really interesting. But anyway, one thing I did notice with Hall, like just watching the game last night... There was a moment where he just makes this really simple play defensively uh, to uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, he shoved the flame off the puck, took it, moved it, and the Leafs were out. And it reminded me of something Sheldon Keith talked about with Hall, like Hall's progression, in that he's kind of learned to become – to use his body and to become more physical and to become 
better defensively because obviously like this guy coming out he wasn't drafted right no he was drafted he, he was Chicago. drafted but but Chicago but kind of offense just, he was played, he didn't he play four years college and then and then yeah he didn't he didn't really get a contract and he was in the ECHL when the Leafs took him on so yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is it's the defensive improvement from him uh evolution I guess that seems to be fueling this where he's kind of made that transition that some guys with his abilities, like some guys who can really skate, um, can't make is is kind of a long way of what I'm trying to say. He's a big, tall, strong guy who can really move. So yes, uh, I don't. I think he's probably the biggest win that Kyle Dubas, the analytics department, has had. You know, in in the whole. I can't think of maybe there's something else that I'm not thinking of right now. But like finding a guy like that who you just pull out of basically nowhere. Yeah, signed by the Maple Leafs in 2016. I mean, he was playing for the Indy Fuel in the ECHL. Yep. And, you know, you, you, I think, yeah, he signed an AHL deal originally. Yep. One year on an AHL deal, and then he gets an NHL deal and plays with the Marlies and wins a championship. And But his progression from, like, Babcock should have been playing him those years. You know, the, the year where he, you know, he played 13 games in two years. And for yes. him to be where he is now, I mean, it's a testament, you know, to his personality and his perseverance and, and all that stuff. I mean, he's been one of the, the real feel-good stories in the organization the last couple of years. Well, and, and I was doing overdrive last week and we were talking about the Oilers and, and comparing them to the Leafs. And that's like as much as like you win the lottery and you get Matthews and like Arizona takes Strom and you get Marner, like those things, those things matter greatly like those are the drivers of why the Leafs are in the position that they are but if you have all these little wins on the side like you just you just find Justin Hall you develop him like like aces like just like the Raptors you know Fred Van Vliet's undrafted Pascal Siakam's like a late first round pick if you can win on these the margins and turn those things into really uh like make them important like you you find Ilya Mikheyev overseas you bring him over and now he's an important player. Like you add all those little things up and you can see why the Leafs are in a better position than Edmonton. And now Edmonton fans might say, well, what do the Leafs won? But like the rosters are just totally different in that way. Like Edmonton just doesn't have a lot of that stuff. Is McKayev ever going to produce any offense again? And he seems like the most snake bitten player on the team right now. He's like flying all over the ice and he looks amazing on the penalty kill. And then, you know Nothing what the one yet. thing with him though is, James? He is a he's a little Kapanen like in that he's kind of got tunnel vision. Like he's right. not, he's kind of just a one man wrecking crew. Like he's not really finding opportunities for his line mates, but like he can fly. He had a lot of points last year when he played. So it'll, but but then you know in the playoffs he was just really ineffective and wasn't able to generate anything. So it's going to be. I can already see. Well, the those fan after base a seventh getting, month layoff. Yeah, I can see the fan base getting a bit restless with Mikhail, where he looks great, but there's just not a lot of offense there so far. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Time for some listener questions. These were really good. I didn't, 
I, I just took them from uh, our Leaf Report Twitter. So if people aren't following that, check it out. I think it's Leaf Report Pod. Is that is that the handle, James? Yeah. I think so. All right. This is a good question. I actually really like this question. This is from Corey. What would Mitch Marner need to do to win back the fan base? I think it's really interesting. Um, he's obviously off to a hot start this year in terms of points. I don't know if those – some of those points feel a little bit like empty calories to me. Uh, there's There's been some empty netters. He got a couple points against Calgary, but, like, they weren't, like, influential plays, and I didn't think he had a great game, but he's off to a, a hot start. So what do you think he has to do to kind of, I guess, put the, the stuff with the contract last year – behind him and, and make people forget about that. Well, I think if he's like a really dominant player and, you know, it's interesting. I've been like tweeting out, you know, Mitch Marner is leading the NHL in scoring or he's tied for the lead in scoring. And I've been posting stuff like that. And I don't know if you've seen some of the responses, but you no. get a lot of really like snarky replies back with people saying like, uh, you know, like talking about the contract or saying that he hasn't been that noticeable and pointing out that he's got empty net goals. And like, it just seems like, the fan, he's a player the fan base is really split on and was really kind of soured on given the way that that negotiation went down last year. So I think that probably the answer, Jonas, is that he has a really monster year, including some success in the playoffs for the team. And then I think that, and yeah. I think time too. You know, I think that is, he's clearly a really good player. I think people want to see, um, you know, a season where he makes a bigger impact than last year and, and some more team success in the playoffs. And I think that'll that'll heal some of the wounds. But one of the things that's hurt Marner that has nothing to do with Mitch Marner is the fact what's happened with COVID-19 and the pandemic and the way that the cap has been frozen. And like, I think if we were talking about the cap going up three or $4 million every year, that contract starts to look better really quickly. And the yeah. Leafs aren't, aren't quite as tight in trying to improve in other areas on the roster, but that uh, that cap crunch has, has made the Tavares contract look worse. It's made the Marner contract look worse. It's basically made you know every big contract that teams signed hoping that the cap was going to go up. It's made them all look worse, and that's not on Marner, but that's something that that's part of the criticism is going to stem from that. Yeah, and and honestly, obviously that was not anticipated. But one of the things that I think like his camp um, misjudged is the impact that that something like that would have on like his popularity in the market the way he was he was perceived like if they had settled for whatever 10 million in the summer um it just it wouldn't have, have been so toxic and and Marner it, it might not have affected Marner as much because like one of the things that we saw last year is it really did affect him the way he Suddenly, the fan base kind of turned on him. He he didn't seem like the kind of happy-go-lucky kid that we had seen those first few years. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's the playoffs. Like, if he has a dominant playoff, like the one he had, I guess, in 2018 against Boston, uh, and the Leafs go on a run, I think that stuff will dissipate. Next question. How much longer is Jimmy VC going to be in the top six, basically, is the question. Well, I... I... <sighs> I guess my counter question to that would be, if not him, then who? You know, who who should be getting those minutes? You know, well, uh, I understand that. What's that? You mentioned Mikheyev. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's not. You know, he he looks like. How do you say hands of stone in Russian? Do you know? Do you have that? (laughs) Do you have that in front of you? Like, yeah. 
I think with VC, they're just thinking like put him on a sheltered line and he's going to like bang in some of like the, he's going to be around the net and he could shoot the puck. And that's what we've seen on a couple of the goals that have been basically tap-ins that Nylander's created for him. Um, he hasn't impressed me, but you know, the Leafs, we knew this going into the season, the Leafs were trying to get some of these bargain bin guys and just like trying to like play them with good centers and get as much out of them as they can. And that that's what you're seeing, you know, and if they had Robertson, if they had Thornton right now, they could think about pushing VC down the lineup, but you got a couple guys hurt. You got Matthews banged up and I don't know. There's, it's not like they're, they're drowning in options for guys that can put the puck in the net right now. No, that's true. One thing though, James, like I don't totally agree with is how they've tried to, um, basically they've said they want Jimmy VC to be like Zach Hyman. He is not Zach Hyman. Like he no. just doesn't play the same way. He's not physical like that. He, he doesn't work like that. So, I mean, they have him killing penalties. They don't have him on the power play at all, even with some of the injuries. I, I don't totally get that. Like I would, they, I mean, they've loaded up now on one unit again with, with Thornton out. I think I would get Jimmy VC around the net on the power play. Like I just, and the other thing is, I think the, the ideal thing that you would do in the top six is just move Alex Kerfoot up and play him on the wing. But then the question is, who is your third line center? Um, and so maybe that's something you do when Joe Thornton gets back. I don't know. Like Kerfoot with Nylander and Tavares looked great last year. Um, but they just don't really have the option right now unless they do something else. Yeah, and I can see that. What do you think uh, Tyler Ennis is on waiver study from Edmonton? Like, does that make any sense at all as, like, a player that could come in and, like, he's well, almost, he's a bit VC-like, right? Yeah, like, I mean, he would, I would rather have him playing on that third line than uh, Simmons. But let me ask you, as a counter, can they afford him? Like, He's making a million. He, I mean, I, I think that. I don't know. I mean, something else would have to give, right? Like, I, I think that if you bring in Ennis, then that's where you're going to, Spets is going to be living on the taxi squad a lot more. And, you know, I, I, you can't afford him, but it's going to make it even tougher with the Barabanov and Lenton and, and Spets situations. You know, you're going to have to, there's going to have to be a real cap dance that's going on there. The thing is, it almost would have been better if the player that, this is going to sound weird, the player that got injured made more money than Thornton and, and Robertson because their contracts yeah. re- it really doesn't free up a lot, whole lot of space for them to do much with. Well, let me ask you this. Like, are you, would you be comfortable with um, Ennis playing third line minutes in the case of injury? Or, yeah. or do you think he's like strictly a fourth line? No, I mean, I think that, no, I think that if, if you're in a pinch that he has, I mean, he was doing that in Edmonton last year, right? And like, that's, that's what they liked about him. They acquired him and they, they were really happy kind of with the, his production level there. And I think that's exactly what he can do. But, you know, the thing is, is that he's small. He can't play center. Yep. He's not physical. Nope. He has some limitations and they kind of pull in the other direction from what Sheldon Keefe wanted to do with the roster. And yep. it's been, we haven't, we haven't really talked about this, but it's been interesting, you know, like it sounds like Sheldon Keefe was one of the driving forces behind bringing in, you know, like Bogosian and Wayne Simmons and, Know, that he was very supportive like of that. Like 2.0. Well, there's a little bit of that. I mean, I think that the coach can have input. We don't know the extent to which, you know, it was it was Keefe's decision to bring in certain guys or have them play differently. But Keefe's really kind of been the one pushing, we need to play differently. We need to be more competitive and defensive and whatever. And it's going to be interesting to see 
Like, what if what if that approach with this group of players produces really mixed results? Then you know, like, what do you do at that point? Those are bigger questions. Those are like serious questions. Leaf reports where we bring up the big questions. All right, last question. Unless you have like a good one that you want to get to. Well, there's all. I got a whole bunch here. I mean, all right, you 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 take a spin. I I got seventy four responses when I asked for questions. Yeah, yeah, he's a. Here's one, uh, Andrew Katania. He asks, "Will Spezza get more ice time or a look in the top six? I mean, I, I think Spezza is strictly a utility player down the lineup kind of guy. Like, I don't. I know he shows some flash and things like that, but I think at 37, he, he can't play up the up the lineup. What do you think? Well, I mean, the fact that they just sprung Engvall into the third line and not Spezza says something. Yeah. I mean, they remember like Spezza was their third line center a bunch last year, and if not. That's playing center. He was on the wing. So next question. One more, maybe one or two more, and then we'll wrap. Bring it on. I'm just looking. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to quickly grab another one here. I thought you were doing the question duty, but that's okay. I can find one. Throw me the one that you got. Um, I forget who had this question. Sorry. I think it was Hunter. We're seven games in. Why do I come out of every game feeling like Morgan Riley didn't play well? Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. I don't know, like, like have you? Would you say? Do you think that's fair to say that he hasn't played well? No, I, I think, I think one thing we underestimate, and you kind of brought it up a little bit before, is he is playing with a totally new partner. Um, they're learning each other's tendencies. They're getting a feel for where each other is going to be, where each other likes the puck. They had no preseason. They had basically like a week of training camp. Um, I, I just think we underestimate that effect and they're, they're playing hard myths now. So um, like against when McDavid um, is in town last week, they're, they're facing McDavid. Like that's the hardest literal test there is in the NHL. So I, I just think there is a, a, a feeling out process going on right now with him and Brody. I think that's fair. I, I've liked Brody so far. I mean, I like the way that he too. calms things down and, but then, you know, you look at the, the stat sheet at the end of the, the game and you know you, you like what he did and it's kind of understated but then you know like and i've been talking about this the whole podcast but like the underlying numbers like expected goals with brody and riley on the ice were terrible this year like they're, they're not generating enough offense with those two guys on the ice and i i'm i'm not i'm having a hard time like pinpointing what exactly they need to fix there like I, it's not like they're making like brutal defensive mistakes all the time it's just like it's like Riley hasn't been unleashed offensively the way that he was in past years where he was just looking really dynamic and really making a difference. And maybe that's the, 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 the safer, better defensive play that, that uh, Sheldon keeps looking for that is playing a factor there. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously they've made it a priority to get that pair out with Austin Matthews, which means you're like your fate. Yes, you're playing with Austin Matthews, but you're also facing tougher competition. Um, so it's something it bears watching obviously we'll see how that goes do you have one last question yeah i, I kind of like this one this is from andy uh he says uh how much do the lips leaves miss having a true antagonist they feel a little bit tougher than last year uh but they seem to lack the feeling of being hated which seems to show up uh when they don't draw a lot of power plays and things like that do you want to take that one i mean i think it's a fair point i mean they don't it, it, it's kind of like one of those intangible things, right? But like, you know, like they're just, it doesn't really seem like they're into the, into the fight really as much as 
And I think that as the the rivalries heat up with these other teams, there's going to be more of that. Like there's going to be more of like kind of you know there was that that Pionk had that sort of cheap shot there at the end of the Winnipeg game, and Kachuk jumped on Jack Campbell there when he was hurt last night in the game. And I don't know. I don't know if that like I don't know. Like, do you think you need that element to to be able to win, or do you think the Leafs need more of that element to? One to thing have, I think we're we're badly underestimating is how difficult or unusual it is to play in buildings without fans like it, there's yeah. just no energy in there and so like yes it's their job but like it's it's hard to, I, I would imagine it's hard to get up and and find the same zest for the game when it's just i can tell you like and you know this too it it feels like you're just playing in this big empty hall like it's not it doesn't feel like normal where the fans are screaming and like you know what I mean? Like there just is no atmosphere in there. So you can imagine why there's just a lack of, I don't know, anything. Yeah. So. Well, Isaac says, can you guys quit the athletic and stop making stupid articles about Corsi? <laughs> God love Twitter, right? Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting week. The Leafs obviously are on the road. They play in Calgary again. Then they've got Edmonton twice. And they got a little break before they face Vancouver three times in a row. That's going to be fun. Well, I'll get another one for you. Martin wants to know, what's the deal with airline peanuts? Any thoughts on that one? Is it a corn or is it a nut? Is that that? No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, All right, James. An, I haven't been on an airplane in a long time. I, just, I haven't even... I don't know. I'm out of the loop on, on airline peanuts right now. I think we have run the course on the <laughs> podcast. Can I can I pull us off the rails right at the end? No, not going to happen. Uh, I do want to mention Bobby Ryan was on the Athletic Hockey Show today. He's off to a great start in Detroit. He's he's on fire. So check that out. Um, if you haven't listened to that show, give it a listen. It's great. They're both really fun listens and. That's it. That's all I got, James. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report and receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. That's it. James? We got good stuff coming. So hopefully if uh, you're not signed up and you're listening to us for free, you think about downloading the app and, and checking us out because, you know, we're more than just a podcast. More than just a podcast. That should just be the name of our podcast. More than just a podcast. That might be confusing given that... It is a podcast. The podcast is only just a podcast. (laughs) All right. We will talk next week, James. Good day to you. Everyone stay safe and thank you for listening. Mm